Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, your co-host, Eddie Rye, are here with another edition of Urban Forum Northwest. I want to thank my first guest, our Attorney General, uh, Attorney Ben Crump. Uh, thank you for holding on, sir, and thank you for making time for us today. And uh, I just have to say that I'm so proud of the fact that I know a brother that's getting justice for the people. It's been a long time coming. And uh, uh, Attorney Crump, as soon as you get done with one case, there seems to be another case. And now we see something nefarious happening in the Louisiana with Louisiana State Troopers. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And just share with our listeners a little bit about uh, when you get some rest, because you're always on the go. Hey, uh, Mr. Rock, keep praying for us. We fighting for our children's future, and there seems to be a continuous fight against the enemies of equality. And I, I'm so very honored to be with you as we continue to work in concert together, using all our resources and our platforms to give a voice to our people. And I think that's why we are starting to see this uh, trend ever so slowly where the moral arc of the universe is bending towards justice. And you see that these uh, civil justice cases, whether it's with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, or Andre Hill, where we got record-breaking historical civil compensation for the families, but all these officers are starting to be charged now. And we hope that that represents the new precedent uh, based on what happened in Minneapolis, what is happening in Ohio, that we can get full justice, not just uh, partial justice, and that police officers will start to think twice before they shoot us in the back. Exactly. And uh, I'm glad, please uh, uh, let you know that in Washington State, a state representative by the name of Jesse Johnson had a bill passed that was signed uh, in the law earlier this week uh, that prevents a lot of things you've been fighting for, like preventing the chokehold, also preventing uh, 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 having a registry of the police officers and or any kind of un unnecessary force. And my co-host, Hayward Evans, might have more details on that on that bill. Hayward, do you have any, any addition to add to that? Well, no, I'm just I'm just pleased that we're getting it through. And I know that uh, when you talk to uh, Representative Bass, he's looking at it going national. So I think that's critical. And I think we're, we're taking the steps in the right direction, but we still got a long way to go. Long way here in the state yep. of Washington. Now, now Attorney uh, Crump, what about this latest case uh, that happened in Louisiana where the information was withheld by the Louisiana State Troopers? And I saw Angela's friend, uh, Representative Ted James, uh, I guess he's chair of the, of the Black Hawks of the, the Louisiana State Legislature, for two years, and they, they uh, really abused this guy and left him to die. Have anyone contacted you about that situation? Yeah, uh, I have some good lawyers in Louisiana working on that case, and uh, I know they're going to expose the injustice and get transparency and prayerfully a conviction on those cases. It is uh, my belief that it was the new, the proposed legislation of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act that is bit before the United States Senate. There's a component in there that makes it a federal offense if the police uh, make false statements in a police report. 
And I think that's going to be very helpful in adding another opportunity for accountability in these abuse, uh, these police abuse and corruption cases, because that video shows that this was utterly, utterly uh, brutal and that these officers should have already been arrested. And the fact that they have not been arrested is a slap in the face to all of us who are saying we can have better policing in America, more just policing, where Breonna Taylor gets to sleep in peace without her front door being busted open at 1 o'clock in the morning and she being executed with nine bullets in her body while she's practically naked. Or, you know, more just policing where Anthony McClain, who's running away from the police, literally runs out of his shoes in Pasadena, California, but we see the video where they still shoot him twice in the back saying that he was a, a threat of violence towards them, even though he was running away. I remember when I was a little boy watching Cowboys and Indians, they always said the most cowardly thing you can do is shoot a person in the back, but yet they keep shooting us in the back, Mr. Rye. And then we want a more just police and more fair policing where, you know, George Floyd gets an opportunity to take a breath without the police keeping their knee on his neck for nine minutes and 29 seconds. That's why we have to get this federal legislation passed so it can make it easier to hold killer cops accountable when they kill us unjustly. Attorney Crump, what would you do? Now, I know that uh, I mentioned State Representative Jesse Johnson in Washington State. Matter of fact, he had an opportunity to chat with uh, Representative Karen Bass for a few minutes. And uh, actually, she requested a copy of his bill because of the content. And it's uh, pretty much, I think I'm pretty much in line with the George Floyd, Floyd uh, demands in that legislation. Uh, on the local level, you know, we all have these same problems. And uh, I've been, I told the former chief of police that we had here that, uh, and some other folks who are in law enforcement, because they were talking about this will be a mass exodus of cops because they don't like the scrutiny and stuff. But, you know, there are a lot of uh, 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 individuals that would be prime candidates. We have a, 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 a joint base, Lewis McCord. Uh, a lot of those uh, black and browns uh, military members would love to come in and get a twenty or twenty-five thousand dollars signing bonus, and get seventy thousand dollars a year to start with. Uh, you know, uh, I, I think that would be very appealing. And you talk about somebody that's been trained, and they don't know how they you know, they all need to be screened because we do have the Boogaloo and those other folks involved in the military too. But about the training and screening of folks, how important is that, and how much in depth should that be? Before someone becomes a police officer. I think, I think it's very important, uh, Mr. Rye. But I will say this. I also believe that... I also believe that... Uh, when you think about it, they, they seem to be able to be professional and be able to de-escalate just fine when those white nationalists stormed the Capitol on January 6th. 2021. I think the crux of the matter really is implicit bias. They know that over and over again, they don't shoot white men in the back. They only shoot black men in the back. 
the fact that you have young white men who are confirmed mass murderers, and yet they uh, can take them alive. But over and over again, you see a black man running away from them for a traffic stop, and they shoot them in the back. So, therefore, I think really what the trainer has to focus on is dealing with this racism and discrimination that permeates every aspect of American society. And you're absolutely right. I want to uh, see if my co-host Haywood Evans has a question or comment for you, Attorney Trump. Okay. And then they're going to tell me I got to get on the plane. I apologize, Mr. Rush. Okay. I'll be very quick. Are we going to have some national standards on policing? What happened to John Lewis in the Senate? And then also, don't we need a national voting standard so we can knock out all this nonsense? And then if you can speak to some of your other cases, what happened in Flint, Michigan? and the Johnson & Johnson with the ovarian cancer. I'm still worried about the people in Flint, too. Exactly. And, and, you know, we have to really, really focus in on not letting them sweep uh, these uh, tragedies under the rug when it comes to environmental injustice and environmental racism, because when you think about it, that has a much more, we bought, okay, that has a much more uh, daily consequence uh, and that's multi-generational that goes on uh, well beyond our life. It affects our children's lives. And so we have to keep uh, making sure that the President Biden and everybody holds true to their campaign promises that they were going to do right by the children of Flint. And as I get ready to go, Mr. Wright, there is a Flint, Michigan, in every state where there's uh, black people being exposed to uh, toxic poisons in the air and in the water. Okay, Attorney Benjamin Crump, I want to thank you for sharing some of your time with the listeners of Urban Forum Northwest, and I want to applaud you for the outstanding job you're doing in representing our people and getting justice, and I agree with uh, Reverend Al Sharpton. You are the black, uh, the Attorney General for Black folks in this country. <laughs> so I Thank you so much. I'll be with your daughter on uh, Sunday morning getting an honorary degree from Virginia State University. Oh, and Angela's going to be, uh, she's one of the speakers? Yep, she's one of the speakers also getting an honorary doctorate degree. Well, okay, Dr. Crump and Dr. Angela Rye, I'm proud of both of you. <laughs> All right, I love you, Mr. Rye. Thank you so much. Hey, God bless you all. Bye-bye. Okay, thank you very much, Attorney Benjamin Crump who is, uh, as Reverend Al Sharpton say, is our Attorney General. Uh, we're scheduled to have uh, uh, Dr. Brent Jones, the Interim Superintendent of uh, Seattle Public Schools. I told him 217, but I didn't realize how much time Attorney Crump had, but we always treasure every minute we have. As a matter of fact, he's probably one of the most visible and seen people on all uh, TV stations out of all the attorneys that deal with all these cases. Uh, we know there should be a lot more cases, uh, people looking at the other side, like what happened on January 6th, there should be a whole platoon of lawyers uh, and investigators looking at that. But once again, uh, we know where that privilege comes from. So uh, uh, we also going to be talking with uh, Erica Conway, the NAACP, got a day of remembrance coming up. That's going to be on Saturday from 12 to 2 at the Martin Luther King Civil Rights Mem Memorial Park. Uh, and then Sarah Sins Wilson, who is with the uh, Urban Native Education Alliance, will be on. 
And then uh, Reginald Robinson, the owner of Alta's Louisiana Cajun Seasoning and Spices, uh, he'll be on uh, the latter part of the hour. So uh, we'll go ahead and take a quick break and come back with Dr. Jones. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. All right, uh, Eddie Rye and Hayward Evans back uh, at Urban Forum Northwest and that smooth jazz uh, music is just like our next guest, uh, the illustrious Dr. Brent Jones, the interim superintendent of Seattle Public Schools. Uh, Dr. Jones, how are you doing? And welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. Your first appearance as the interim superintendent. We appreciate your time, sir. Well, I'm glad to be here, Mr. Rye, and uh, hopefully we can have this uh, experience a little more often. I appreciate the time today and willing to uh, engage with you and answer any questions or share with you uh, my vision. Well, I tell you what, uh, Dr. Jones, why don't you take one or a minute or two because you had a school district number once before. Why don't you just take a minute or so and just share with our listeners a little bit about your background? Uh, thank you, Mr. Rye. So a uh, little bit of my background. Uh, I was an activist at age seven <laughs> when I testified in front of the school board uh, when Martin Luther King Elementary became Martin Luther King Elementary from Harrison Elementary School. Uh, and I've been a, a member of the Seattle school system K through 12, which I was uh, one of the early members of the uh, desegregation, being bused from the south end to the north end, and finally finishing at Franklin High School. Uh, Since that time, I've I've done a lot in the educational space, but particularly at Seattle Public Schools. Uh, I served here a couple of times, and the first time I was the uh, executive director for human resources, and then I came back again. Uh, after going to Kent School District and Seattle Community Colleges, 
uh, and then served as the assistant superintendent for human resources. And then I was the chief of equity partnerships and engagement. Uh, went off to Metro Transit, uh, served there for a couple of years, and now I'm back as the interim superintendent. Uh, really glad to be here. I'm a son of a of a school teacher in Seattle Public Schools as well, and I'm a I'm a parent actually in the district of a, se- a graduating senior. So uh, very much attached to Seattle Public Schools. Man, that young lady is a senior. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes, sir. Oh, well, now, you know, uh, you're stepping into a situation, and I won't belabor this point too long about the past superintendent, but there was a mass exodus of black males in leadership position with the Seattle School District, and a lot of these black males were replaced with females. I have no problems with qualified females, but I do have a problem when there is, uh, it's at the expense and somebody engaging in uh, racial and sexual discrimination. Uh, and that, that's my own opinion about Denise Juno. But there's also a lot of people that were working around her that were very quiet about what was going on. And I'm just wondering, uh, will the staff remain intact? Will there be any changes made? And I uh, just want to know how close we have to watch your back. Yeah. Well, I, I, uh, I appreciate that. And um, I, was, I was one of the people who, who left uh, back in a couple of years ago, but I'm, I'm glad to be back. And I want to just really uh, speak positively about uh, our school board. Our school board saw the wisdom of uh, trying to bring back a, a black leader at the top spot in the organization. Uh, I'm also uh, committed to a retention plan for all of our, our African-American principals, uh, the, the African-American administrators. Uh, I have a diverse uh, leadership team. And so we, ha- we do have the opportunity to uh, really uh, not only center blackness in our, in our leadership, but we, are, we actually have a, a program that we're looking at, African-American Male Achievement, and we are, are centering our strategic plan on African-American males. And in order to do that, we have to have African-American leadership to uh, complement and to inform our strategies and our practices. And so uh, we, we will be uh, actively um, pursuing uh, recruitment opportunities for uh, African-American leadership and really focusing on retaining the, the high-quality leaders that we have right now. Well, Superintendent Jones, I'm glad you mentioned uh, the African-American Achievement uh, uh, Program that was put in place after uh, all the black male and top leadership positions had exited the school district. It's also my understanding that uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Robert Gary Jr., uh, uh, Dr. Breland, or no other African-American males was even hired to be over an African-American male program. So, I've, you know, just I just have to say, in the community, a lot of people were very concerned. Well, why would you have this and not have an African-American male in charge of, it's like having a minority business program, but black folks never get to participate. So it's just, but anyway, hopefully uh, that can be corrected as well. Uh, in terms of your vision uh, of the school district, where do you see the most immediate needs? First, I guess, first of all, opening the schools in the middle of this pandemic is probably the top priority, but how is that going and what is your forecast for opening Seattle Public Schools. Yeah, thank you for asking. So 
you are right. The, the number one priority uh, for fall 2021 is to open schools full time in person uh, with the recognition that we we've learned quite a bit over the last year and being responsive to all the challenges that the the year of COVID and the also what people don't really talk about this year of racial reckoning uh, has created uh, a lot of hardship and trauma for for our families and, and our students. And so when we come back to school, one of my main areas of focus is really on uh, collective wellness. Uh, I want our students uh, and really I want the adults in the system to be well uh, as they are uh, as they're serving our students. I mean, we need well adults. Uh, serving our students. And so the recognition that we've come through uh, a lot over this last year, and as we start to fall, we really recognize the need for, for wellness. The other piece that's going to be important for us to lift up as we come back in the fall is we need some enhanced responsiveness. Uh, I think we've done a good job of uh, naming it that we need to be responsive to our families, but we need to have a culture of follow-up and follow-through uh, we need to have a culture of engaging parents in their students' uh, education to be to be knowledgeable about their curriculum, what they can do to support their students' uh, matriculation all the way from kindergarten all the way through graduation. And so when, when parents have needs, we want to be really responsive to those needs. And so the two areas that I'm going to be focusing on is, one, wellness uh, of our adults and students, and two, making our system be responsive and embracing the parents so that they can be integral parts of their child's education. I want to see if my uh, co-host Hayward Evans has a question or comment for you, Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones, first, congratulations on, on uh, becoming the interim, interim uh, superintendent. As the interim, you have the opportunity to select your administrative team, the, the, your inner circle. Uh, additionally, are you getting any, any uh, negative feedback from the long-term civil servants, i.e. the tenured staff? And so are they embracing your vision? And particularly how it relates to uh, academic achievement, the academic achievement gap, black and brown kids, and then their, their access to technology, because I know that's going to be a huge challenge coming this fall. Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I'm, I'm keen on is really understanding that uh, we have to work on our systems. Uh, and so the hires that, I, that I'm that i bringing on board have to understand uh, the system and how the system uh, is. It's not about the students having a deficit. It's about our system working on behalf of students. And so anybody that I bring on to my cabinet is going to have to have a knowledge around how to make these, these systemic, systemic interventions and strategies work on behalf of a student. Now, our strategic plan uh, talks about students of color furthest from educational justice with a particular focus on African-American males. And what are we doing as system leaders to support the advancement of African-American males in our educational system? My team, uh, my leadership team, is very solid, uh, very, very experienced. Uh, they're focused. Uh, they've been extremely supportive of me. Uh, in terms of the things that I'm trying to push forward in the system. And a lot of things that we teed up when I was back uh, in my previous role, we have a policy called 0030, named 0030, and it's ensuring educational and, and racial justice. And so 
that is still prominent in our strategic plan. And everyone on my cabinet knows that that is a, a priority for us moving forward. And so educational justice is what we're about. We lead with that and our systems are starting to be geared toward that to, to yield outcomes that are beneficial for our students. And so long-winded way of saying my team is on board, they're supportive of me, and they understand what we're, where we're trying to go. And so are the things, are the systems being put in place, particularly to the procurement officers, making sure the, the African-American descendants of the enslaved are getting contracts? Because, you know, that's been a huge problem with Seattle Public Schools getting contracts in communities of color. Now, I can address that. That's because one brother stole $160,000, and the media and everybody else made criminals out of everybody that was involved in that program. And since that time, they've used that excuse. And ironically, uh, while they were having uh, Silas Potter on the front page of the paper every day, Washington Mutual was going bankrupt. The largest bankruptcy in the history of the United States and a guy stealing $160,000 got more, more publicity than the largest bankruptcy in the history of the United States. So that's how that went. But no, that, that definitely needs to be revisited because that was used to deny black folks access to any kind of business with the school district. And the last administration certainly didn't care. And I'm still concerned about some of the people who are there who've been making those decisions because they have a no black policy. Okay. So, I mean, I, and I hope that's addressed. And hopefully the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition will be requesting a meeting with the folks in procurement with your blessing, Superintendent. So uh, that will be probably moving forward fairly soon. I know Barb Armstead is listening, and he's been raising this question about uh, Tacoma. They're doing an outstanding job. Tacoma Public Schools, well, they got the Black Collective over there as well. But they're doing an outstanding job. Uh, and we might have to borrow some, uh, some information from Grover Johnson and Lyle Kwasim and see how they worked it over there. Uh, so did uh, Carla Santana, she was uh, with the Seattle School District before, right? Ms. Sartano? Yeah, she, she, was, uh, she was hired, I believe, by Maria Goodloe-Johnson. She served as the chief academic officer. And uh, she, she recently uh, uh, resigned or retired from uh, Tacoma Public Schools as their superintendent. But, uh, yeah, so, Mr. Evans, back to the, the, the question. And we, we're trying to be an outcome-based organization. Uh, we do need to really look at our processes for how we're procuring um, contractors. And, and if we are, and I know that we are, disproportionate in the number of contracts that we're giving out, that is a, that is a systems problem. Uh, could be a behavioral problem, but it's something that uh, I want to uh, work with you, and Mr. Rye, around. How do we shore that up? And so uh, I'm committed to really looking at our processes and having some more proportionate contract distribution uh, as we go along. So, uh, yes. Do you, do you have a, a timetable, sir? Uh, do you have an estimated time that you'd like to have this meeting? Um, How much time do you need before we did that? This is my third week, but I, I, I'm willing to meet with you as, as soon as two weeks from now. Um, okay, there's, that's there's, great. There's some, urg there's some urgency uh, for me. I'm making sure that that happens. And I know there's some internal work that's happening to uh, make sure that our processes aren't, uh, by definition, discriminatory. We're trying to make sure that we have the mechanism in place to, uh, to secure, recruit, and retain um, contractors of color, black, black and brown folks. Have you uh, received any information on 
the utilization of uh, African Americans in construction and consulting. Have, have there been any reports provided to you yet for that? If not so, not, could you request those for the last two or three years? Yeah, I, I will. I, they have not been provided from, to me, but that, that's okay. Uh, I can request those. And so when we do get a chance to sit down, we'll, we'll talk about those. Yeah, because the one thing about the numbers don't have a personality and they don't lie. Either you did it or you didn't. But uh, right. anyway, I want to thank you very much, Dr. Brent Jones. Anything that uh, I can do to assist in the endeavor, uh, I'd be more than happy uh, to do that. And uh, hopefully, uh, like my, my one friend, Sarah Sis Wilson says, I hope he looks at the Indian program too. I said, I'm sure he, he's concerned with all the people. So that's the kind of person he is. That's the kind of family he comes from. So I, I, I'm not worried about that. I know you'll take care of business. You always have. So thank you, sir. Absolutely. And we look forward to Absolutely. doing whatever we can to continue this relationship and make sure that you succeed in making sure those children get the education they need and uh, make sure that the teachers and everybody hope they all have a vaccine. So you don't see school starting until uh, uh, fall. Huh? Yeah. So we're, we're going to, we do have, obviously we have school starting right now, but when I talk about starting in the fall, I'm talking about September 1st, back to what we've, what we've done pre pandemic conditions. And so we're going to have a full return in the fall right now where we have what's called a hybrid return. So some, some of our, students are in the building half the day and then they're doing remote learning the other half of the day but I'm talking about a full full return but um Mr. Rye I think I thank you for your your ongoing support I, I appreciate your advocacy always in the community you've been doing it a long time I've been learning from you uh and your colleagues around what we need to be centering and, and what our focus should be so uh be glad to get back in touch with you uh sooner than later and like I said we'll meet in within the next couple of weeks about the contracting pieces. But um, I'm, I'm committed to create the conditions for our students to thrive. And to the extent that you can help me with that, uh, I'm open to that. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much, sir. We appreciate your time today and appreciate the job you're undertaking because we know you're going to do a good one. Thank, thank you so much and have a great day. All right, you too, though. All right. Okay, that was Dr. Brent Jones, Interim Superintendent of Seattle Public Schools. Our next guest is Erica Conway of the Seattle King County NAACP. Uh, I, I know she chaired the Freedom Fund. And what else? What's the other title, ma'am? I am currently the second vice president, Mr. Raj. Oh, excuse me. That's okay. And Claude is the first vice president, right? Claude Murphy? That is correct. That is correct. And, and Madam President is Carolyn Riley Payne. That's correct. All right. So anyway, you have... Uh, the Seattle branch has a event coming up on Saturday from 12 to 2, a day of remembrance. So uh, share with our listening audience exactly how you came up with the concept and what's going to be involved. Um, this um, So Saturday, um, the event, of course, what you said is a day of remembrance, but also a call to action. And the theme is they will never be forgotten. And so we are basically honoring and remembering those that were killed by the police nationally and locally. Um, I think the NAACP feels as if we need to remember so that we don't forget. We don't need another name on that list. And so we thought it was important for the community to come together, to stand with the families, and to remember these individuals 
they're more than just a hashtag. They're somebody's loved one. And so we need to support. Um, we need to support them, but also we need to remember them so that we don't forget. And who was all involved in this event? So our guest speaker is um, Dr. Leslie Braxton. We also have um, Representative Kirsten um, Harris-Talley, who will be speaking. Of course, um, Madam President will be speaking. Um, we will have um, throughout the park. I don't want to tell it all, but I'm going to tell a little bit. So you, you'll be the first to hear it. So throughout the park, Martin Luther King Memorial Park, we will have names of um, not all the individuals, but a large sum of individuals that were killed um, by the police nationally and locally throughout the park so people can walk around and they can see. Um, when doing the research, it really just, um, it touched my heart um, because I have a 23-year-old, and um, that could have been me. I could, you know, my son could have been on that list or my nephew or my niece. So um, I just felt like it was time for the community to really um, show these families that we support them and we stand with them, but also that maybe this may spark individuals to say, I want to get involved. I need to do something and hold um, candidates accountable and, and allow their vote to be their voice. So this is a time where people are you know, running for mayor and city council. And so we need to ask them questions and um, and hold their feet to the fire. What are you going to do about this? And how are you going to make changes with that? And how are you going to help our community? So um, we, we really hope that it sparks something in, in individuals that come. I want to see if my, my co-host, Hayward Evans, uh, Another NAACP member like myself has a question or comment for you. You know, Erica, thank you for being here with us. Erica, I got a, a question because I, I like what you're saying. So we have this call to action. We're, we're going to revisit, you know, the, the folks and, and do a day of remembrance. But the call to action, what kind of action are, are we going to be calling for the NAACP? And particularly well, when you talked about the, the, if I may, you talked about the elected officials. Is there going to be an NAACP elected official agenda or priority set so that we can be asking the same questions to all these folks trying to get elected. Right. And, and, and the president, along with myself and Mr. Claude, are coming together. But one of the things is that meeting with um, um, our police chief in Seattle, but not only just in Seattle, um, I'm meeting with um, Bellevue Police Chief um, with Kent and Renton. I think sometimes we focus only on Seattle, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on in Kent and mm -hmm. Tukwila. And so we want to sit down and discuss about reforms. We want to sit down and discuss how what's going on in our community and how it affects our community. And so as those that are running for office, we need to ask some very hard questions and we need the community to back us and to be in support of this. Um, sometimes, you know, people that are running for office are good at shaking hands and, and kissing babies, but it's more than that. When you, when you get into office with our vote, what are you going to do? 
and we need to hold them accountable. I think sometimes we get lackadaisy and then we, you know, we say, okay, but then another black man or another black woman is killed by the police and then we get upset about it. But we need to, we need to hold people accountable. And I think that is what the Seattle King County NAACP is planning to do. That is our intention, um, that we're not going to just sit back. We're going to take a stand. Madam Second Vice President, would you please share uh, the information, the date, time, and place, if there's any access online before we go? Would you share that right now, please? Sure. It is Saturday, May 22nd, from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., at Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Park, which is 2200 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South in Seattle. And you're more than welcome to um, contact us through our website, seattlekingcountynaacp.org. You know, and on that note, I well, think- uh, Miss Erica Conway, well, thank you very much for your time thank today. You. And uh, I will be personally be there. I haven't been to an outside event, but Saturday at noon, I will be down at the park uh, to remember these folks and also try to participate in any kind of action that we can to get justice for our people. So thank you much. We appreciate you. One, one last thing. I'm sorry. I should have said this, and I apologize. Everybody is required to wear a mask, and social distancing is required also. So. I will definitely be wearing a mask, and I will definitely be social distancing. And I've been back. We will have masks. We will have masks, just in case somebody forgets. We will have masks there. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Uh, Haywards, and my next guest is uh, Sarah Sitz Wilson with the Urban Native Education Alliance, and uh, Sarah's been doing some outstanding work trying to get a quality education for the Native students in the Seattle School District. Uh, She is. the co-founder and uh, the president, Sarah, is that correct? Have you any? Uh, yeah, okay. I like to say just a, a, a volunteer, you know, um, chairperson, elected chair, but very much I function as like an executive director. Okay, so uh, now this year we didn't have much of a school year, but what are your desires? Uh, so if you were sitting down right now with the person we had on the program earlier, Dr. Brent Jones, what would, and before we talk about your event on the 23rd, uh, I don't know if you heard the interview or not, but uh, what would you, we won't spend a lot of time on it, but what would you want from the new superintendent? Okay, thank you. So, Han Ampetu Washte, Sarah Sense Wilson, Imatiapiaye, Ma Ogalala Lakota, and um, thank you both so kindly for, for asking me to return back to be part of your amazing programming. Um, so as, as a one member of the Urban Native Education Alliance, a uh, grassroots organization that's now, um, you know, coming up on our 14th year of, of being a part of the community, um, that centers Indigenous youth and um, supports and advocates for Indian education. I would say that, um, you know, this, this last year, UNEA has um, taken a lot of leadership in the community to fill the gaps around COVID and um, the crisis and 
all of the fallout, you know, that, that we've seen in our community from basic needs to technology and, and things and, and just emotional social support that the district, you know, has failed to, to offer, provide, um, and fill those gaps. So I would like going forward is, is we are turning a corner on COVID. I would love to see um, a collaborative, cooperative effort on the end of the district to um, start to claim that restorative justice process and, and really, you know, look at it more from the Indigenous perspective and approach as, as a, you know, step in, in uh, peacemaking and in acknowledging their failures, acknowledging the harms caused, you know, by their conduct over the years, not just to UNEA, but to our entire community. And um, it's real, you know, those are those are real harms that have happened, you know, and not just under Juno, but Nyland as well. Mm-hmm. So there's there's historical um, backdrop to all of this. And it's it's not just a current event. This is a historical so yeah. we would love to see that mending. Okay. Uh, let's let's talk. We got a few minutes left. I want to talk about your May 23rd event, the Indigenous and Asian Community Allyship Cross-Cultural Dialogue. That's going to be, and I noticed, I know Frankie Aragon, and I see City Council Member Shadow Sawant. So it's going to be from 6 to 8. Now, that's a, a Zoom uh, uh, virtual event as well, correct? Absolutely. We're really excited to, to offer our, our broad community. Um, anyone welcome to join us. We're going to be live streaming it um, through our Facebook, the Urban Native Education Alliance. And um, we, we also have a Zoom ID um, that's located on our website or our Facebook site. This, this all, the brainchild behind this, this event really came from our youth. And we have a youth leadership council that, that we work closely with on a weekly basis. And after the unfortunate events, you know, in Florida with, with um, you know, the, the mass murder, um, we, you know, UNEA in collaboration with the youth council um, did a press release to address, you know, our solidarity, you know, with our relatives. And we wanted to move beyond just, uh, a letter, you know, we wanted to move into a more authentic and genuine connection with the Asian community and not just a financial exchange, but, but an actual, you know, development of, um, you know, deeper connections where, you know, our hope is, is that we're teaching our next generation how to form mutually um, respectful and, and authentic relationships with our allies. And, um, Sarah, could you just, uh, we're, I'm just about out of time. I'm sorry we don't have much time for you today. Just to give our folks the information about how they can hook up. It's going to be from 6 to 8 p.m. on the 23rd. And how could they, uh, uh, how can they get the information about getting online for this event? Sure. They can email um, uneaprogramcord at gmail.com. Um, they can also contact me at 206. 206- Nine four one zero three three eight. Our Facebook site has the the link for the Zoom. It's free. It's easy access. Everyone's welcome. Everyone's yeah, and, welcome. and I also have it on my Facebook page as well. 
Oh, thank you so kindly. We, yeah, our, our dynamic panel of speakers is, is just amazing. It's going to be really exciting. We hope that this is just uh, another step, but we're going to likely offer um, another series with a younger generation of panelists because the multi-generational perspective is really critical. And, okay, um, Sarah, we, will, we yeah. will deal with that when we get to it. But, you know, you're always welcome. I thank you for the work you're doing with you and all the group at UNEA are doing and advocating for the Native students. So thank you very much, and I'll be talking with you soon. Thank you for your time today, Sarah. Thank you, Eddie. Thank you, Howard. Love you guys. All right. All right, now. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest, Reginald Robinson, the owner of Alta's Louisiana Spices in Kent, Washington. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150. And we're back in Urban Forum, West Hayward Evans, and Eddie Rye. Our next guest is Reginald Robinson, the owner of Alta's Louisiana Cajun Seasoning and Spices and Deli. And they're located at 201 East Meeker Street in Kent, Washington. And I get my uh, slap your mama seasoning there all the time. So, uh, Reginald, how you doing? Tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Altus. Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm Reginald Robinson. I'm the owner of Altus Louisiana Cajun store. And uh, we're, uh, I opened up this store in 2016, uh, a little small space right down, right on 212 downtown Kent. And a year later, I mean, four years later, we are a big 2,000 square foot, and we're getting ready to expand again, and then we're opening up another location in Puyallup. But, yeah, we've been really blessed through all this epidemic of the virus and stuff, so really a blessing. How, are you from Louisiana? Yes, I am. I'm from the New Orleans area. 
See, I'm Shreveport, okay. But uh, I was just trying to figure out now, now in terms of uh, the, all the spices, he, they have everything there. Whatever you want to do, you can get it done there, especially about Louisiana Cajun, uh, anything gumbo, they have all that. Now talk a little bit about uh, the deli, and I also want to ask you, do you guys do catering? Uh, yeah, we do catering. And on the deli thing, we do uh, po' boys, catfish, uh, boudin, alligator, fried chicken. Uh, we do a combination of everything. We do about 8,000 pounds of catfish every month here. And so we get people from all over, from anywhere from Bellingham all the way to Portland, Oregon, that comes here because our food is we make sure it's all authentic and from the South. And so that's why we bring it from the South to make sure it's all from the South. Mm. And so the dishes, what, are, what, are, what can people pick up in the deli? Uh, like I said, we got po' boys, we got catfish, we got fried chicken, we do gumbo, crawfish, etouffee, uh, just a combination of all the stuff from Louisiana. Well, I'm getting hungry already. <laughs> uh, you said you're going to open up another store in Puyallup and, uh, have you uh, entertained the thought of doing, I guess with this pandemic, it'd be pretty difficult to even entertain the thought of opening a restaurant that nobody can sit in there. But it seems to me like uh, uh, you have all the recipe you need to open up this uh, Cajun restaurant, this, Louis yes, this Louisiana. Have you considered that? Yeah, actually, uh, like I said, we opening up a whole new store in Puyallup. But where we at in Kent, uh, next month, we, we, we've already started working on it. And where the deli is, the next space next door, we're taking that wall out, and we're going to have seating in there. We're going to hold about 75 to 80 people in there, and we're going to be bringing live music. So when you come to the Kent location, you can order your food, and you just walk through this little next door, and we're going to have live music, blues, jazz, and Zydeco bands that's going to be playing. And so, so we're just trying to bring something different, you know, to the Kent area, the whole Seattle area. Something is different, you know, nobody's hardly playing blues, jazz, and Zydeco music, you know, Louisiana music. And so that's what we want to do. Well, I'm, I'm, I've been officially ad adopted by KBAC, Kent Black Action Commission, with uh, Gwen Allen Carlson and Charles and uh, Richard Johnson and Azalea. So I, mm -hmm. I'm going to be participating in the Juneteenth event. I mean, I've just about every year for the last five or six years. Uh, we used to have it outside that park, but we know this is different now. Yeah, so I, uh, in terms of uh, your product, all that shipped from Louisiana? Everything. I get two full 18 wheels every week, 53 footers. And uh, we get two loads of that comes up here to Washington every week. And people look at that and like, oh, wow, that's a lot of product. But it's not a lot of product when you look at, you know, we servants in the whole Seattle, even Portland, Olympia, Bellingham. When you get that amount of people, trust me, a truckload mm -hmm. goes really quick and easy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, there's also something that really caught my attention that around Christmas time, you had some stuffed turkeys. Share with our listening audience what the turkeys were stuffed with. Yeah, we have different, they have different ones and stuff. We get them out of Louisiana, out of Bow Bridge, Louisiana, and they call stuffed turkeys, uh, turduckins. And basically what it is, is stuff with, we have them with boudin stuffed up in it. We have some with like a Cajun rice. We have them with, uh, you know, uh, jambalaya all up in it. And basically it is what they do. They take this turkey and they clean him out inside and they uh, season him on the outside and they stuff him with like a dressing mix or different things. 
And then you just basically put that turkey in a turkey bag, put him in the oven. And then you can brag to your family during the holiday and tell them how you cooked. <laughs> <laughs> and you also had one stuffed with shrimp or something like that? Yes, sir. We had one with stuffed with shrimp and crawfish. And so it would have shrimp and rice in it or shrimp and crawfish in it. You know, and it's all seasoned up and everything. And so, yeah, we sell, last Christmas, we sold about 500 of them, you know. And a lot of people, we've been selling for about three or four years now. A lot of people put their orders in, you know, for Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff. And we, we get them here about a week before Thanksgiving, a week before Christmas, and people just grab them up and take them home. And it's a really delicious meal, and you don't have to do a lot of work with it other than just putting it in a bag, putting it in a turkey bag, and putting it in the oven. Well, that's what I might do next Thanksgiving, but we're just out of time. But uh, Reginald Robinson, owner of Altus, Louisiana Seasoning, uh, you can reach him at 253-719-2242. And he's at 201 uh, West East Meeker Street. And Kent, Reginald, thank you very much for your time. And thank you very much for the slap of your mama. And I'm going to come try some of that cuisine probably this afternoon. What do you have to, <laughs> see, to eat right now? Yeah, we got crawfish edifice. That stuff is amazing. Yeah. So it's a crawfish with a sauce and rice goes it goes on top of rice. Okay, sir. Well, thank you very much. I'm hungry. I'll see you soon. I appreciate the love, brother. You take care. Okay. Bye -bye. All right. All right. Wanna let everybody know that Urban Forum Northwest is brought to you by Sound Transits, Leslie Jones, Chief of Labor, Jonette Robinson over civil rights, uh, the Port of Seattle, diversity contracting office with me and rice. Uh the Port of Seattle, uh, I mentioned me and Rice. We also have uh, Concourse Concession, Dave Fukuhara, SeaTac uh, Bar Group LLC, Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitsitt, and uh, the City of Seattle, Liz Alzier, City Contract Purchase and Construction Services Office. For next week, Haywood Evans, Eddie Brown, I'll be seeing you again. Talk to you later. Hey.